0: Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled Generosity Inspired by Love. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
1: Our first scripture lesson today is from the 145th Psalm, a Psalm of David, which speaks of peace, praise, and prosperity. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Our second reading this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there was named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay them back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of abraham for the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost let us pray oh god we give you thanks for your word and for the way you instruct us through your word we are thankful that it comes to us fresh and anew every time we hear it we pray today as we hear it that you would silence our voices and preconceived notions about what you have to say to us and that you would open us to receive your love and your guidance and your peace. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you attended Sunday school or VBS as a child, I know what you're thinking right now. Rather, I know what you're humming in your head. And what I'm thinking is that the only way we're gonna be able to get this out of our mind is to go ahead and sing it. So Matt and the choir are gonna help us. And if you know the words, please sing along. And if you only partly remember them, please make up ones. And if this is new to you, just sit back and enjoy. Are we ready? To us today. <laughs> two things. One, now we can concentrate on the message. And two, I know John regularly sings from the pulpit. That's my one and only time. <laughs> now, truth be told, I'm somewhat hesitant to preach from such a familiar passage because it's not easy to find a fresh way to introduce a Bible study that nearly a Bible story that nearly everyone knows by heart and it's even more difficult to bring a thought-provoking message when we already think we know how the story goes. Nonetheless, I am fully convinced That when it comes to scripture there is always another facet to be explored and there is rarely an absolute end of the story in fact i personally believe that if we stop asking questions about what we read in the bible we've probably stifled the holy spirit so at the risk of familiarity the Zacchaeus story it is today. And I think that we could also call this the Jesus schools the crowd story. Whatever the title, I assure you that this is way more than a children's vacation Bible school story. Now to to fully appreciate the nuances though, it's going to be helpful to know a little bit about first century tax collectors. First of all, they were typically Jewish men and they were hired by the Roman Empire to collect monies from other Jews in order to fund the Roman occupation. Now, keep in mind that the Roman Empire did not care how much or by what means the tax collectors took from their fellow Jewish citizens. As long as the collectors Paid the amount due to the empire, they were free to collect and keep whatever they think they could get away with. And some of the tax collectors were reasonable and just in their practices, but many were not. So, needless to say, the Jews as a whole hated the tax collector, collectors as a whole and all that they represented. So, whether a tax collector was a person of integrity who took only what was necessary, or if he was one who coerced extra money, it didn't matter. To the locals, all tax collectors were, in essence, traitor neighbors turned Roman officials. And this would be doubly true for Zacchaeus because he was the chief tax collector. So that means he had likely multiple tax collectors working for him. It sort of sounds like a first century pyramid scheme of some sort. Zacchaeus' salary came from the collectors who were directly exacting the taxes from the community with or without scruples in the process. So as a such, given that, it's not a stretch to think that with Zacchaeus being the one at the top, he would have been despised by just about everyone in the city. In fact, I wonder if this might be one of the reasons that he had to climb up in that sycamore tree to see Jesus. Now, it it might not, I, I don't know, but it wasn't just that he was short in stature. But I think it's possible that the crowds were working together to intentionally block him out. They didn't like him so they're lining up shoulder to shoulder to force him to the fringe to keep him from seeing what was happening to keep him from seeing Jesus sort of like a public shunning of sorts because the truth is we have no idea whether Zacchaeus was an honest chief tax collector or not the story does not tell us And the original Greek leaves it ambivalent. We can, however, presume that he was very likely a lonely man. Few friends, if any at all. He was no longer considered a Jew in his community. Hated by most and feared by many and deemed the sinner of all sinners and folks none of this was related to Zacchaeus's character it wasn't based on the person he was or was not it was solely because of his occupation let me say that again by the mere fact that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, he was categorized and subjected to prejudicial judgment based on external characteristics rather than on his internal character. The discrimination and disdain against him would have most assuredly led to an isolated life, sad, if not even miserable, life. So it makes one wonder, was desperation the reason Zacchaeus risked further humiliation by running through town and climbing up a tree? That's something rich and powerful people did not and still do not do. It was no secret No secret among anybody that Jesus hung out with tax collectors on a regular basis. So perhaps Zacchaeus has heard this about Jesus and he was determined to get a glimpse of Jesus because he was desperate for acceptance. Desperate to belong to a community again. Desperate to experience a life that his money could never buy. Friends, I'm telling you, if we walked out the doors of this building, we wouldn't have to go more than a couple of blocks to be face-to-face with a modern-day Zacchaeus. Someone who's lonely, who thinks they do not belong, someone who believes the world is against them or views them with contempt, Someone who has suffered harsh judgment because of their outward instead of their inward. Someone desperate to be valued, hoping to be loved but believing they are unlovable. Someone whose money is not buying them happiness. Now actually come to think of it, we might not even need to leave this room There is no question that ours is a world filled with people who are desperate for an encounter with Jesus. There is also no question that God, through Jesus, is willing to meet us in all of our places of need. And we see evidence of this truth when Jesus tells Zacchaeus, get down out of the tree. I must go to your house today. You see, in doing this, Jesus has once again offered mercy and compassion to the least expected, seemingly least deserving person in the story, a common thread through Scripture. So by going to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus redeems him much to the consternation and grumbling of the crowd. So why is the crowd so appalled by Jesus' actions? I mean, by this stage of Jesus' ministry, if there is one thing people should know about him by now, is he's the guy who thinks it's perfectly okay to hang out with the down and out, even if they brought it on themselves. To be present with people who are miserable, even if they cause their own misery. And to be with people like Zacchaeus, whose actions don't meet with other people's approval. Jesus is the guy who thinks it is not only okay, but part of his role, to hang out with those who are deemed as sinners. So one can't help but ask yourselves, is this story about the transformation of Zacchaeus' heart, or is it about the crowd and their hardened ones? Friends, Jesus loves, Jesus is the one who loves the unlovable in all of us. Jesus is the one who was born to reveal a God who wildly and generously offers love to the world, unconditional love, in the midst of misery, in moments of desperation, in our smallness and our loneliness, and yes, even and especially in our sinfulness. And that is what made the crowds grumble this is why they disapprove because by reaching out to Zacchaeus and validating the despised man in front of all of his detractors Jesus reveals a God of unfathomable generosity not a stingy God or one who plays favorites not a God who can be bought with money or behavior Not a God who fits anyone's notions or into anyone's box. Instead, Jesus reveals a radical, almost reckless God. The God who's like a manager paying a full day's wage for one hour of work. A God who's like a father welcoming his train wreck of a son home with a ring and a new suit and a backyard barbecue. A God who's a sower who heedlessly herds seeds everywhere and anywhere in complete disregard for the soil quality. That's the God Jesus reveals. This is our God. And so the question that's always before us is how will we respond to this kind of unexpected God? Will we, like the crowd, grumble under our breath about God's choices to love even those whom we deem as despicable or undeserving or who have hurt us? Or will we respond to God's love generously and joyfully as Zacchaeus did? Without question, Zacchaeus' promise of justice for the poor and restitution for the oppressed was incredibly generous, far beyond anything required by law or custom. It is what I believe true generosity inspired by love looks like. This is generosity inspired by Zacchaeus' experience of God's transformative, unconditional love through Jesus. Love that declares that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham, no matter what the crowds say. A love that restores him to his Jewish birthrights, to his community, and makes him whole. That's what Jesus does. And when our God loves us like that, how can we be anything but generous in response? One United Church of Christ pastor put it this way. If we have encountered God's lavish, abundant love in Jesus, we are called to respond in kind. Like foreign wise men who lay high end luxury gifts before a newborn pauper king. Like the tax collector who gave away half of his income. Like Mary, who anointed the feet of Jesus with expensive perfume while the disciples sat around grumbling about a waste of money. Friends, radical love deserves a radical response. Now, as you saw in the video this morning, we have entered that time of year we fondly call stewardship season. Now, for many people, stewardship translates to the time of year when preachers talk about money. And I suppose there's a little bit of truth to that. It is the time of the year where church leaders put together budgets and plans for the next year of ministry. And it's also the time that congregations, many congregations, including this one, we ask for financial pledges from the members to help with the planning. And despite the fact that Jesus talks about money and wealth more than any other topic, It is the time of year that many people still get squirmy when sermons mention either. Trust me, we preachers, we get it. We know. And that even though Jesus makes it clear that stewardship of wealth is probably the most significant of all spiritual matters, nobody likes to talk about money in worship. Which is why this Zacchaeus story is a perfect intro into our stewardship season. Because it is not a teaching on money. It is a story of one man's generous response to God's even more lavish love. It truly is generosity inspired by love. You probably received a stewardship packet this week and later this month we will have the opportunity to make personal financial pledges as expressions of our own individual generosity and also as a way to facilitate TABS ongoing generosity and ministry in this community. But keep in mind There's one thing that I hope you take home from this message of Zacchaeus today. Pledges are just one, albeit important, form of generosity. Financial generosity. But this story invites Christ followers into numerous expressions of generosity. So friends inspired by the love of god let us be generous with our compassion setting aside judgment and hatred to embrace the outcast the oppressed and the shunned inspired by the love of god may we be generous with our mercy and be Willing to see a beloved child of God before us, and not just someone's lifestyle, actions, decisions, or mistakes. Inspired by the love of God, may we become more generous with our time, giving people our undivided attention, offering fellowship and company the way Jesus did for Zacchaeus inspired by the love of god may we be generous with our justice being willing to make things right and to go the extra mile for those who have been treated unjustly inspired by the love of god may we be generous with our witness being willing to invite others to come with us to stand beside us to share our space at the table as we seek christ together inspired by the love of god may we be generous with our love willing to love the desperate the miserable the seemingly unlovable with the same love that has loved us when we were desperate miserable and seemingly unlovable friends inspired by the love of god let us be generous with our joy and with all our blessings willing to offer them back to his service in abundance as we thank god for giving them to us in the first place praise be to god let us pray god we give you thanks that you are beyond our wildest imagination that you are generous to what some would call a fault that you love us unconditionally, always, and fully. We pray that as we are shaped by your love, that we would be ones who love generously, unconditionally, and fully. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus.
0: You're listening to Sunday with Tab a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org, that's T-A-B, prs.org Thanks for listening and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab